Hello and welcome to the Change in Education podcast. As the UK's largest education business partnership, the Change in Education group delivers the best in-class work experience and careers management services. Why not find out more? Check out our website, changingeducation.co.uk and send us an email, info at changingeducation.co.uk. In today's episode, we're joined by Dr. Daniel Olaya and Dr. Raphael Olaya, who are medical doctors with a wealth of experience who have been in front of the camera across various genres. We discuss work experience and the curriculum. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Changing Education podcast. And here we are, season three, episode one. Where does the time fly? I am joined, of course, as usual, by company directors and co-founders, Stephen Hackney and Matthew Hodgkinson. And today we've got a special guest with us. So it's not just the three of us. Uh, we do have uh, the Olaya twins, Dr. Daniel Olaya and Dr. Raphael Olaya, who are identical twin brothers, medical doctors, and captivating storytellers, the energetic duo combine the excitement of cutting edge science and technology with their relatable, cool and funky style. And of course, you can catch them on Operation Ouch on the BBC. So guys, a warm welcome to you. Uh, I'll start off with uh, uh, Dr. Daniel. Uh, a warm welcome to you. Thank you for joining us here today on the Changing Education podcast. Absolutely. It's, it's good to be here once again, uh, joined by some fantastic people. I'm ready to get into some good conversation. Fantastic. Dr. Raphael, a warm welcome to you. Busy man as always. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much indeed. Pleasure to be here. And of course, company directors and co-founders Stephen Hatney and Matthew Hodgkinson. Stephen, a warm welcome. Morning, morning. So uh, season three already, the podcast. Super excited. So uh, we, uh, we wanted to decide this time that people were sick of us talking to two previous seasons, that we needed to get some decent speakers in and talent. And uh, you've, you've certainly uh, blown us away this first episode, Amos. So thank you. And thanks, guys, for attending. Absolutely. Pleasure. Absolutely. Matthew, a warm welcome. How was your Easter break? It, it was good, Amos. You know, I was eating all the all the kids. Uh, you know, I've got two young children, so they got all the Easter eggs. And uh, but we banned chocolate in the house, so therefore I've got to eat it all myself. So uh, you know, with two docks on, the pregnant time with it, chocolate's bad for me. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll be hitting the gym this week. But no, just to echo what Steve said, I think this is great for us now, as we've done two seasons of me and Steve talking about the national curriculum and and why work experience is really important. We spoke, didn't we, last time we were on, on air about how important it is to get guest speakers on and people that are at the top of their field and people with, uh, with hopefully, you know, loads of energy and what to say and, and lots to say as well. So I think we're on a great track here, Amos. Indeed. Steve, um, I want you to get us started. Uh, uh, you know, you can relate to uh, both Dr. Daniel and both, uh, Dr. Raphael in terms of working in the NHS. Uh, you know, what was your experience and what, question would you like to pose uh, to the two doctors today yeah it's look we're trying to explore and and dissect you know how do young people uh, follow their dreams and their visions and their transition so you know I don't remember from school any careers advice I remember stumbling into an apprenticeship in engineering did it for three years hated it then reevaluated what he wanted to do. And I went to work in a hospital as a healthcare assistant because I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was just a job. And, 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 and that turned into 
19 years in the NHS that are, you know, qualified nurse. And it's just an amazing journey. And it shaped me into the person I am today. And, and I wouldn't have been able to create this business with Matthew without my knowledge of the NHS. And so I, I wasn't a planned career pathway. So for me, it was really, for me today, it's really just understand for both of, you know, both of you, you know, was it always going to be a doctor or did you stumble into it? And, and if so, was there any uh, work experience or careers provision that you felt, you know, shaped your future to get where you are today? So that's basically the first question. Uh, to Raphael first. Thanks very much. I think that's such a, a great question. Um, and it's so dynamic because uh, your career choice, um, it shapes so much of your life. And um, and being a doctor, it's, it shapes your life in such a way that you know your life's going to be very different otherwise. So um, how did it start for me? I found learning biology was the easiest to get the best marks possible because I'd literally just learn the mark scheme. And when, when I'd learned the mark scheme, literally from start to finish, I could get 100%. And I was thinking, hold on, this is a lot easier than maths or English because it doesn't require as much mental sort of rigor. That's what I thought at the time. And then um, also our dad was a doctor as well. However, there was no, there was no direct pressure um, thankfully, um, so it allowed us to make um, allowed me to make my decision in a somewhat organic way because I thought I was good at it, and um, I always I would always pigeonhole um, and keep digging deeper and deeper, and that was where biology would get interesting. But with the way A levels and GCSEs were, you wouldn't really have to dig deeper because if you did, you'd probably you might confuse yourself because then we're getting to more sort of research level. But I always found it very interesting. So for me. Um, that was a big part of it. Also, I'm watching sci-fi, Marvel, being a big fan of cartoons, Iron Man, and um, those really exciting cartoons. They were always pushing the edge of innovation. And for me, being a doctor was, was the best way to get into that because uh, from the start, you're an experimenter. Um, you're learning um, the empirical way um, of testing and, and doing your own experiments in a way, and also um, uh, with, with a deep rooting in, in, in sort of core sciences. And um, however, at university, I started to realize, hold on, the world's so um, diverse and, and huge. There's so many different other things to do. And that's why I started to explore technology. I did a master's in data science and machine learning. So for me, that's how I became a, a doctor. Thank you, uh, Dr. Raphael, for that. Dr. Daniel, what was your experience uh, being the flying doctor as well? Excellent. Yeah, no, Raphael, I really think that's a, a, a thoughtful message you, you put forward then and just made me rethink a, a, a bit, you know, how I got into it. And I, I think we, have, we we definitely have a difference there. So for me, I think there was a, a bit of a direct pressure to go and do medicine um, from, from family. That's that's the way I felt. And perhaps that was because I was a lot more interested um, in media, in directing, in filming, in, you know, portraying stories via film. And I remember uh, in A-levels when I was studying media studies. So I just chose media studies along with some other sciences. And uh, I remember um, uh, our father saying, media studies isn't isn't the right thing for you. It's not gonna really give you uh, the choices that you want. And, and I thought actually, no, it, it, it is because it's something I'm interested in. And it's something that I wanna pursue alongside other stuff. You know, there's a way to fit it all in. Um, in the end, in the end, I did switch to psychology. However, however, um, despite switching, I still pursued uh, media um, and filming and storytelling um, via media um, in my spare time. And actually, I managed to pick up a lot of opportunities um, and, and, and still carried that on. And, and, I, and I think perhaps that's helped us to where we are today. 
I guess what I'm trying to say is that even though even though the academic and schooling backing wasn't there for for that part of education that I wanted, I still pushed to to, to try and get it, and that accompanied medicine. And fortunately, today <clears throat> we're in the best position possible because we managed to combine them in a very fantastic, phenomenal way, which I couldn't have asked for a better situation. And I think that's a mixture of 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 luck and really great people around us, and really great guidance, um, and and of course hard work. Um, I think a, a, another point is that when it comes to studying and the western idea of school you know which is an idea it's 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 not the right it's not the right way to to do things it's it's a way to do things which is kids in a classroom listening to a teacher reading a book and then being examined on it there's there's many different ways of of schooling and, and academia and learning things and that's just one and you start to realize that when you look at different models of of learning and homeschooling and and what covid's done um and and, and actually you think actually is that the best way because as raf said all you had to do is realize there was, in, you know, look inside the matrix and, and, and see that you, all I need to do is look at the syllabus, which is what the examiners have said that I should probably need to know and find a way to memorize it. And then I'm going to get 100 percent. And I think if kids and if their family, if their parents knew that that was a kind of hack to, 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 to do well in exams and actually do well in that part of their life, because that governs a lot of their young schooling life, you know, a lot would be different. But sometimes it takes a while for people to understand that. Um, and I think that's an issue. I think that's a problem because, you know, testing someone on a syllabus, literally on, on a syllabus, which you made do this, this, this is this perhaps isn't the right way. Um, so all in all, all in all, in, in conclusion, I think you know that that was um, what, what got me to medicine, family, and a bit of enjoyment of the bi- biology and sciences and things like that, and of course media as well. And of course during during medical school, um, that was when I started asking myself the question, um, you know, what else do I want from medicine? Why do I like medicine? And for me, it was the adventure part of it. It was the you know the being in the elements, and that was when I started to pursue. Um, you know, uh, adventure medicine, uh, being a flying doctor, uh, taking sick people all, all over the world in, in pre-hospital environments. And for me, I got inspired to do that. And I was helped to do that because I heard stories. Again, I love telling stories, but at the same time, I love hearing stories. And when I hear stories, I get deeper and deeper and I get enthralled in it. And and I think I think that's super important, you know, hearing from people and, and being inspired by the human side of things. And then, of course, adding the academia on top. Just to jump on the back of that, sorry, I was, it's, it's quite interesting. When we were working in the NHS, they, they'd be interested to hear your thought process about away from the academia, uh, being uh, prepared regarding your employability skills, your life skills, your social skills, your interpersonal skills, your communication skills. Obviously, you don't need academia to learn them. They're a trait for every uh, career pathway. And uh, we, I, I remember having a, a having a. a, a a bit of a debate, a bit of an argument. I was a staff nurse uh, with, a, with a doctor. And I did actually say to him, you don't have to be clever to be nice or to communicate effectively. Because wow. they, were just being rude. they were being rude. They were being rude to a patient. I just thought, you know, do you know what? You, it, 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 there were some, some brilliant doctors there that, you know, got it. They, got, they, they were clever, but they were also professional. But they also had, their, they had the employability skills. They had the soft skills. They had the... The, the ability to empathize, and then there was other students that obviously had come through med school that hadn't had focused on any employability skills, and it was a shock to them on their fifteen-hour shift, you know, for the first time. So I don't know. It'd be interesting just to hear from you guys about your thoughts on, you know, why it's so important also to have those under 
pinning skills that you find in most actors that are super important. Uh, Raphael, do you want to start us off with that? Yeah, so the soft skills that you mentioned there, you know, Stefan, I think that's what people remember when they think of what a good doctor is. And I've seen it so many times in my career. You know, I did a, a rotation in spinal surgery and it doesn't get more technical and scientific. And the skill level is so high with some of the, the top uh, clinicians in spinal surgery. They've been studying for 15 plus years all around the world. And what do the, what do the patients remember? They remember, did they feel like you cared about them? Did you communicate to them with your body language, with the way you spoke to them, with the words you used? and your overall demeanor that you cared about them because they don't understand a lot of the time what you're talking about. I mean, if you're, if you're really great at communication, hopefully you can get across what you mean. But a lot of the time they don't, especially the people that are in some, sometimes the worst situation because what's led them to that? Maybe socioeconomic issues. Not all the time, but sometimes. So me as a junior doctor, um, just finished my foundation program. I found that you know some of these patients were saying, thank you so much, you're a good doctor. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I've not, I'm not, I'm not a surgeon. I'm a junior doctor. I'm not even in the theatre. All I do is prepare you for surgery and make sure you have any um, your, your medical problems are dealt with and all the all the, the different investigations. And, and and they're thinking I'm a good doctor. And sometimes they would make the comparison between me and the surgeons. And I thought, wow, not just that. The, the enjoyable part of medicine, I feel, is the human touch because when you enjoy people and you enjoy the novelty of understanding and helping them, it never gets boring. The technical part of medicine, you know, it's great if it can be interesting, interesting to you for your whole life. But sometimes the technical part is like, hold on, I've been doing this for how many years? Um, sometimes it feels like a conveyor belt, even though there is a variety and technicality and interest to it. But the people part, everyone's the center of the universe and they have a story to tell. And the medical part, that's your way in to explore their universe like a story. And everyone's got a story. So that empathetic part is 100% important, and that's what makes a good doctor, in my opinion. Yeah, really, really great story there. Uh, Dr. Daniel, you know, what's your experience? Has it been similar? Interpersonal skills and medicine. I think uh, medicine and nursing and all in allied healthcare professionals, I think it's, it's, it's specific sort of pigeonhole really because we are dealing with people in 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 the deepest way um my experience is that i think we have a spectrum and and what influences that spectrum of of how professionals deal with uh, patients and their em empathizing skills interpersonal skills i think it, it it's about where they're from and how they've been brought up and how how well they can put themselves in other people's shoes and you often find it, 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 particularly with with doctors, you know, uh, colloquially, you know, what what a, a doctor is, you're supposed to be an upstanding member of society, and there is a lot of prestige to it. And I think when when that idea has been pushed, particularly in some institutions, in some you know groups of society, when that that, that doctors are in, I think that can, that can be exaggerated, and I think a lot of the time that comes through, unless in their university education, the idea of empathizing and, you know, putting yourself in other people's shoes is really pushed. In my, my university, it, it, it really was pushed. I went to Peninsula Medical School, which is one of the new, newer medical schools, and they really pushed the idea. And some of my colleagues who went to more traditional medical schools don't really have that. And you see the difference between their, their practice. Um, but what it comes down to is that when people do start working and they're hit with the realities of 
you know what makes a good doctor and what doesn't and how people react to them and whether they get complaints or you know whether people like them on the ward or not i think they soon learn how to behave and 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 what it means to actually be able to connect with people and make them feel good and and you know it's a vocation at the end of the day um that's why i think about in person because clearly they're very very important yeah so um, a bolt on to what daniel said you know i think it's, it's such an important point you know you're, you're trained as a doctor you're you're told almost every day you are an upstanding man, member of society and we've got to be very careful with that because it can make someone arrogant it can make someone arrogant because below the surface they can think to themselves hold on i'm slightly better as it, depending on the way they think and a lot of these guys or these girls women you know they went to private schools so from the beginning they've been embedded with the confidence and sort of uh, a mental rigor that makes them very confident so we've got to be very careful and um that could show itself as arrogant but an upstanding member of society, you know, if you look at it the right way, that should mean that, hold on, sometimes turn the other cheek or, or be the bigger man or, or woman in situations because you're in a position where people give you more trust. They give more tr you more trust than, um, than other people because you're in that position, because you're meant to reflect, um, you know, certain, you know, kind of philosophical uh, or ideological virtues and sometimes it's not fair because you could think hold on why are they treating me like this why am i held to a higher standard that's the responsibility that was bestowed upon you and when you accept it it makes it a lot easier yeah great point matthew i can see you nodding there you know empathy um you know uh, listening skills being patient being kind you know soft skills that we take for granted but say you know make a big difference as dr Raphael uh, and dr daniel spoke about you know the how it makes a big change in the lives of their patients by just caring for them and listening and just being understanding. Uh, what's your thoughts on all this? And of course, uh, Dr. Daniel was also talking about the curriculum, which I could see you wanted to jump in on. Uh, uh, I could listen to this all day, Amos, as I started the podcast talking about, you know, really crucial that we get uh, professional people in to talk about careers for young people. You know, Mike, I think we've covered so much so far, but I'd like to really drill down on, on role models. We, we live, uh, I mean, we obviously support tens of thousands of young people every single day trying to get into their chosen industries or just getting a taste of the world of work. But I think it's really important personally for young people to have the right role models in their life and in school, in their personal life. Uh, and especially now we live in a, we tend to live in an era where sometimes role models are not aligned as i would say traditional role models or maybe young people looking towards the wrong role model which is taking them down an incorrect path so really a question to you it's both Raphael and, and daniel maybe start with daniel is who were your role models can you think of a, of a of a role model that really stood out in your you know your adolescent years that put you on the right path and potentially were you ever thinking of going on a different path and that role model actually instilled some core values in you I think I think that's a, that's a really good question, and I think it's quite a tough one. It's, it's one that I've I've thought about for, for quite a while. Um, I wouldn't particularly say I have one particular role model. I say I have I have many, um, but a few to say would be um, I had a teacher. His his name was uh, Mr. Russell. Um, he was a media studies teacher, um, and um, he inspired me because even though the technical part of the study of media studies, which, which can be very technical, of course, um, was, was drilled into us and that was what we were learning. At the same time, 
he really made the learning part fun um, and adventurous, and he he gave it he gave it to us to put it in our hands, um, and to to create what we wanted to create, and not just that, but what means what inspired me is, is the fact that he was involved in so many different things, and half of the lesson, he would spend telling stories about his experiences in America, his experiences in Asia, and I thought I want to do something like that, like. I want to have experiences where I meet so many people and I'm doing so much stuff and I'm, and I'm working hard, but at the same time, you know, I'm doing something valuable. So, 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 so I think, I think that was what inspired me um, about him. Another person who inspired me was uh, a flying doctor, someone who is one of my mentors um, and taught me a lot of uh, sort of flying doctor medicine, aeromedical sort of stuff. And, um, and, the way I came into contact with him was was through a course that he ran. And again, in the same vein that Mr. Russell uh, inspired me, he did the same because he based all the learning that we were doing on that course on stories. He would tell a story and then break it down into its constituent parts and then do learning from those stories. And again, it's not just the technical part of the stories. It was the fact that what, what the stories actually showed about him and I thought yeah I want to meet people I want to be friendly I want to be nice and uh, you know I want to connect with people at the same time I want to have the technical skills um and I, I, I want to do, do, do these ventures so I think it very clearly um allowed me to to see who I wanted to be um and clearly these people were very very approachable and very humble uh, which which allowed me to put myself in sort of their position and, and and foresee that maybe I could be there be there too be be where they are also Dr. Raphael, what was your, who were your role models? It was really great to hear what Dan said because I've never actually heard that from him. That's why I love doing these podcasts because I hear things from Dan that I didn't even know. Um, for me, my mentors, I'll split it into two main groups. My mentors, first of all, it's the fictional characters, to be honest. And then second of all, it's it's my mum and my dad. I'll talk about my um, the fictional characters first. So the characters that I would see in, in Marvel, Iron Man, um, you know, the scientists like Spider-Man, I was thinking, hold on, even though they're fictional, what they're portraying does definitely have a link to what I could possibly become, uh, which is science, technology, part of it, and also doing their own experiments and following their own thought processes and thinking, hold on, this makes sense. Let me try and do that because that's where I want to get to. And I, I remember thinking in my mind, hold on, I can, if I want to give myself a chance of living a sort of lifestyle like they have, then this is the only way. I have no choice. So I thought to myself, let me just keep on trying this. I might not get it first time, whether it's an exam. <clears throat> I'm very used to repeating exams and doing things multiple times to get to where I want to get to because I know that, hold on, there's no problem. I'll just do it again. And there must be another way. And that's the great thing about this day and age. There's always another way to do something and being open to that and being creative. So, you know, fictional characters, a lot of them from Marvel. And second of all, uh, my parents. So first of all, my mom, she's a nurse. Um, and I saw her work ethic looking after four kids and doing night shifts. And I was thinking, how, how, how is she doing that? At the time, it didn't, it didn't, the, 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 the difficulty, the situation that she went through wasn't clear to me. But what was clear to me was where she communicated very clearly, listen, anyone can do anything. And the, the metaphors or, or things she would say, they used to sit with me. One particular thing that she used to say that was incredibly powerful for me was I used to come home with, let's say, um, 30 out of 50 and I thought that was a decent result for my maths test or whatever and she would say oh well done on your on your result but who got the highest who, who got the highest result 
And I was like, oh, whoever got the highest result, let's say John. And then she would say, has he got two heads? And then she'd walk away. And then and then that'd be the end of that conversation. I remember thinking, I remember looking at the wall, thinking, what does she mean by that? Has she got two heads? Of course he hasn't got two heads. And then it then dawned on me what she meant was, listen, everyone has a way to get the result that they want. So just keep on going, you know. And for me, what that came down to was, you know, everyone's got their talents, their ambitions, the different skills and the different virtues and the weaknesses and their strengths. And you see what makes sense to you and find a way to do it. And there's always going to be a way, especially in this day and age. An incredible story. And I believe uh, your siblings are all in the medical field as well, are they? Our whole family are in the medical field. Our, our dad was an obstetrician gynecologist and he changed to a GP. Um, our sister is um, a psychologist. Our mom's a nurse. And um, our older brother's a GP. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Matthew, you know, uh, Raphael's asking there about work experience. Uh, have you got a question for uh, Raphael and uh, Daniel? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is why we're here, really, aren't we? You know, with a with a work experience podcast. So it'd be it'd be criminal not to ask about uh, work experience opportunities within uh, within the NHS, within their field. So yeah, if I'm a student today, uh, Rafi, I'll start with you. I'm a young person today. I'm wanting to get into uh, wanting to get into medicine. I need my two weeks of work experience. Have you got any advice, any tips, and hints, and as to how I could go about that? Certainly. Um... First of all, work experience, I believe, is allegory for life. When I, when I say work experience, experience is allegory for life, what I mean is that you're essentially utilizing the opportunities in front of you to get a leg up to where you want to go. And school or college, you know, they, they lay it out for you and you, you do what you want with it. For example, a lot of people message me on LinkedIn or in person. They say, oh, I want to do this, whether it's in media or, or, or uh, medicine or, or technology. And I say, look at the resources in front of you. Just be a little bit creative. You've got LinkedIn. You've got, you can walk into places and um, and perhaps you've got family or friends or you've got the street. You've got London. There's everyone everywhere there. And what people love, it's not about how clever you are a lot of the time. You just need to be over the bar. And um, it's about your attitude. It's all about the way you come across. Um, and you find out within the first 10 minutes of speaking to someone, if you show the right attitude, whether they're going to help you. And if you speak to enough people, you see, hold on, it's just like rolling a dice. It's a numbers game. And so you keep going at it, you get to where you want to get to. So work experience, it gives you um, an opening into um, any industry. So go for it and understand that there's always a way. Be creative. Yeah, that, Amos, just to intercede there, that is the advice that our young people need because the first step for them is, is potentially the biggest step. They, uh, they, they sometimes think that rejection is, is a mm. massive barrier and they don't want to, uh, they don't want to, they can't handle the rejection. And also, they spent two, maybe nearly even for two years in their bedrooms doing distance learning and their interpersonal skills have also probably taken a hit. You know, to pick up the phone or walk around the streets of London and, and, and have these conversations, sometimes a really big step for them. But I think that what Raphael's highlighted there is that keep persisting, keep trying. It's probably that, you know, to get your first, you know, the, a singer-songwriter who wanted his first record deal, didn't take no for an answer, sat outside the, uh, the you know, the, the, the recording artist's studio and kept giving out tapes and tapes and tapes and tapes until he or she got recognized. And I think it's the same thing with work experience. There's so many tools available, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, knocking on people's doors. 
Uh, I, th I think that's really well put. And uh, if we can extract something from this podcast, Amos, I think we need to quote that to our young people, that uh, persistence is definitely the key. Uh, indeed, indeed. Raphael's always got the quotes. <laughs> uh, Daniel, what's uh, your thoughts on work experience? Incredible response, but by Raf, to, to be honest, I think, he, I think he summed it up well. You know, the only thing I would say on top of that, and um, to to also say that, um, is that now, more than any time in history, you know, people are more accessible. Companies, organizations, you know, inspirational people are more accessible through social media, through LinkedIn, through Instagram, through emails. You can get anyone's details. It's it's very, very easy to do that, right? And there's so many people in, in high positions. So, What's going to stop you guys from listening and actually sending a letter, sending an email, you know, if they don't respond, send another email or, you know, just, 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 there's, there's no excuse for, for not trying, you know, NHS, getting work experience at NHS is notoriously difficult. It's notoriously difficult, right? Even when we were playing way back in, in 2009, 2010, but that doesn't mean that you can't look elsewhere right now to, to this day, even though I'm a practicing medical profession in hospital, I still volunteer with St. John's Ambulance. That's because I know there's something very, very special and good for the soul and good for the mind about volunteering. And not just that, but volunteering, I think it's very good when you're applying for things. So you guys, young guys who are still in school listening to this, please, if you're interested in anything medical, apply for St. John's Ambulance. You'll get extremely good experience and be around some amazing people that will inspire you. And you even get to do and get to go to some phenomenal places like Wimbledon and see some stars and, and, and you know, learn first aid. So a medical thing to do, that, that's, that's really amazing. So please apply for St. John's Ambulance if, if you can. Um, otherwise, you know, charity shops is is a really good thing to to, to get into and, and 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 to work in. And obviously, you can learn first aid courses online as well. Um, so so please please do that and 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 please just try and be resourceful and creative. Another uh, example example of a situation that I was in was when I really wanted to get into aeromedical retrievals and you know uh, being a flying doctor. Um, I, I I contacted many companies that 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 do do this activity and i said you know i just want to come and have a look and, and meet you guys and uh, have a look around the office and, and find out what you do and uh, two of those companies that i went to go and see based on how i was responding and, and my attitude on the day and the questions that i was asking you know they offered me interviews on the spot they offered me interviews on the spot um because they could they, my attitude was, was shining brightly and I think if you're starting from the right place and if you've got the right idea and the attitude shining brightly, then inevitably you, you, you'll you you'll get to where you need to go um, as long as you do it for the right reason. Daniel, that's incredible. Um, you know, Steve, you know, again, this goes back to the question that you were asking earlier on. It's about those skills of having, you know, the right attitude and being empathetic, understanding, listening. But you know, also just volunteering, giving your time up, uh, whether it's with a charity or St. John's Ambulance. And I'm so glad, Daniel, that you mentioned that, because that's one thing that I always say to students, you know, go and volunteer, go and work at a charity shop. You know, if you want to work in a health service, these things will account for something later on in the future. Steve, you know, what's your thoughts on this? What, what, what do you reckon? Well, yeah, you know, you know, you've just, triggered stuff in my mind that I'm thinking, do you know what? 
we're always easy. It seems to lambast the school or uh, employers, but actually, you're completely right. You know, there is opportunities out there. It's it's the individual that's got to be motivated, and it's easy to blame everybody else apart from yourself. It's like, it's like, it's, it's true. It's like, you know, you listen to people, oh, there's nothing out there, I didn't do that. And you ask them then, well, what did you do about it? I didn't do anything because you expected it on the lap, didn't you? Because that's society at the minute. And so, yeah, I, I think you both really triggered something in my mind now that perhaps I need to go away and think about how we communicate across that more, uh, more strongly to young people that actually you, it's you, it is you, you know, the opportunities are there. If you want to be what you want to be, you can do it. You know, and actually, I think your original point, Dan, was that the traditional, uh, the traditional curriculum is 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 what we've got at the current moment. But it doesn't actually. It suits uh, an uh, an old delivery model. Well, actually, it doesn't promote individualism. It's actually you're stuck on. If you're a success, if you get five GCSEs, C and above, that. That it's not seeing above anymore. It's is it four or five and above, whatever it is, and that's wrong. You're a success if you get to where you want to be post school on your journey. Mm. That is Absolutely. success. Absolutely, wow, I like it. I love it. Um, so, <laughs> it's totally the trick. It's something. It was in there. It was. It was. It was. It was hiding away in the back of the brain. You triggered it. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, Stefan, um, and Matthew and Dan. I just want to bolt on something. You know, some characters in the media that a lot of kids will sort of know about and maybe look up to or even just listen to in music is people like, you know, Kanye West um, and other people that they learn about in school. You know, Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, you know, other people that have done great things. All of them went through a host of failures. Michael Jordan, he said he took he took more jump shots that he he missed than the ones that he made. He just took so many. So but from a, a from a young person's point of view, they've never failed that much because they're so young so it's not clear to them hold on that i just need to keep on going but as soon as that clicks as soon as that clicks they're like hold on let me just keep going and humbling yourself you know be, being able to volunteer or the, the incredibly privileged position that me and dan are in to do what we do we still have to humble ourselves a lot because there's a long way to go there's people that know much more than us about everything and we need to put ourselves in positions where we're with that child again we're thinking hold on i've got a long way to go let me finish my ego and be like a child again. And everyone needs to be able to do that. This is incredible stuff. Wow. <laughs> again, as Matty said, we'll need to listen to this over and over and over again. Uh, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for stopping by. I hope we can uh, have you back on again soon. Uh, before we let you go, um, how can the audience connect with you? Uh, Daniel, social media handle? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, the dot fly dot doctor. Um, play on words. Um, YouTube, uh, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Please contact me. Please get in contact. Um, we were on Operation Ouch, which is on CBBC, where we have great adventures and learn about biology and how you can get involved in and fun things and uncover some myths and some legends, particularly with medicine. So watch us on that. That and um, yeah, those are some ways to, to get in contact. And Matthew, me, I know you'll be watching that. <laughs> Sorry, Raphael, uh, how can we uh, connect with you? I'm on Instagram um, at Dr. Raphael with three L's on the end, and on YouTube, Raphael Alea, on uh, Twitter, Raphael Alea. And um, there's nothing uh, I love more than to um, help mentor or help contribute to people's uh, journey. There's nothing I love more. I always make time for it. 
So as long as you come with the right attitude, I love it. Fantastic. Matthew, uh, Stephen, thank you very much, both of you as well. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much for coming today. It's been amazing. Thank you. Yeah, echo that. Brilliant, brilliant.